This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now, we are in maybe our fourth and final lesson of this series on how to make the right decisions. So very important. It's so very important in this time, in the time in which we, li- we live in. And because in, in Deuteronomy 30, we see where God is preparing the nation of Israel to go into the promised land. And he lays them out a choice that seems like is easy. He laid out a decision that they could make that seemed like it was easy for them to make. And, uh, but knowing them and knowing what we've read about them, they didn't always make the right choices, but nevertheless, God laid it out for them. God was admonishing them to do a certain thing. So in Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning at verse uh, 15, I'm in, in another part of the scripture. 30, beginning at verse 15. And it reads, See, I've set before thee this day life and good. Now, people that always say, you know, they love to quote, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then when some things they say, but that's not for the well, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, what he's saying now can go for today. There is, listen, that God's word transcends time. God's word is eternal. It's life. It's alive. It's for us right now. So you take this portion and you own it. He's telling you, see, I set before you this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but that, but, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish, and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this, day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is your life and the length of your days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sweared unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them. Now, we have gone through three teachings, prior teachings to this. I'm going to touch on a little bit, and we're going to move on into the new information. We said in our last teaching that... God has given us a place uh, in, in everything that we're being taught. We're being prepared, prepared to stand before him, prepared 
for his next move. We're, but we're never going to be prepared if we're not able to make the right decision. Right decision is what we want to pinpoint at this point in our lives. Amen. I told you the intent of this series is to test our readiness. Are we ready? Are we ready to do the will of God? Are we ready to choose the right decisions at the right time? No matter whether they're uncomfortable, no matter if they make us feel like I don't know what to do, but if I keep my finger on the pulse of God, I'll always make the right decision. Test your readiness because this is very important. We all want to make sure that we're not admiring other people that make the right choices, but us as a church, us individually and collectively, we need to be a people that know how to make the right choice so that we can be an example. You want to be an example. You want someone to say, oh, they know how to make the right choices. They know what they're doing. They know how to say no when it needs to be no, yes when it needs to be yes. They know how to move. You can have that as individuals. You know, everybody say they want life and they, you know, yes, I want, you know, I want life. But it's, it's easy to say, but you have a part to play. In, in this life, uh, cursings and blessings and life and you, you have a place to, uh, a, a part to play in this and you need to find out what that is. The goal is simple, is that to strengthen your resolve, both individually again and as a church. We need to strengthen our resolve on what we're going to do when we need to make a right decision. We need to just make it. Make a resolve. I'm not going to be on the fence about something. I'm not going to make any more wrong choices because God has given me the tools to make the right choice. He's been giving you the tools in every message that you've heard. Amen. I want to encourage us to be strengthened to strengthen our resolve to do what God called us to do, what He wants us to do. Amen? And then in earliest teachers, we learn some things. We learn that to make the right decision, there must be a commitment. Commitment. Everybody, you know, they like to holler that they can, they're committed to it, but you, it requires. So that means it's essential that you have it to make a right decision. If you're not a person that's committed, you're going to make wrong choices. You're going to make wrong choices because you're not committed to anything. But to, have, to make a commitment and uh, to do the will of God and to make the right decisions, you must be committed. And we said all commitment is to God. You're never committed to a situation, a circumstance, or a person. You're committed to God. Are you with me? It requires us to be committed to a standard. And we know that our standard is Jesus. Then we said we have to be committed to a purpose. That you got to be committed to purpose. And that is, I'm committed to whatever stage of life I'm in, whatever state of life that I'm in. You know, and all of that, when you find out what you would, I'm committed in it. I don't have to try to step into another stage of life that I'm in. When I recognize God gave us different stages of life, different states of life, you should have recognized what state or what stage that you're in. And be committed in that state. You don't have to worry about what stage or state anyone else is in and try to get in theirs. God is going to meet you in the stage and the state of life that you're in. Amen. And then we said in our other lessons that discipline is required to make the right decision. Here we go with discipline. You got commitment. You got this... uh, um, um, 
What did I just say? Discipline. You have to be disciplined. If you're not disciplined, you're not going to be committed. And let me tell you, you are finding out if you're disciplined or committed with just what's happening now with not spending money. And I know them stimmies got y'all worked up. Them stimmies, everybody's, oh yeah, when the stimmies coming? They, and then I got my stimmies. You can always tell when people get, get stimmies, they start talking a lot. All of a sudden, they just start talking like, and they get louder. And they, you know, and then, oh, well, we're going to go over here, and we're going to go over there, and, and oh, you know, ooh, ooh, let's go visit this. Let's go do that. Oh, ooh, ooh let's go to SeaWorld. Let's go. Them stimming. But God got you right in time. But it's showing you if you're disciplined enough. It's showing you right now because now that thing is burning you up. You like, I ain't never had $5,000 as a whole in my hand. And, ooh, Lord, I just want to, ooh, ooh, when is the seventh? Because I just want to spend something. When is, when is that? Well, I, well six about, uh, on, on the, on the six, about 6.30 in the evening, that's seven. I mean, again, we just, you just want to. But be disciplined. Just be, show God you can be disciplined in that little minor thing. Amen? In that minor thing. Well, the stimulus test test was for us to, you know, make sure we have food. Well, God said make sure you're eating. Make sure you have food. You need that. It's required. But you you know what? Because I'm going to tell you right now, and I had my daughter-in-law laughing so hard. I said, I know Amazon want to call me and say, what's going on? What happened? What? We ain't heard what? What? I said, I'm looking for a personal call from them because they like, nothing going to 34th Mesa? Nothing? No boxes going to 30? No boxes going to 34th Mesa? He's like, did anybody offend Miss Hill or 34th Mesa? I want to know because all of a sudden it's been cut off and it don't feel good. Oh, but it, it, it really hasn't been that, it, it hadn't been that big a deal. You know, when you have too much stuff anyway, it's kind of a blessing. You're like, you know what, I don't even need it. You know what, just get rid of it. Amen. And I know a bunch, a bunch of you have been trying to figure out, well, can this really be spending money? I got a gift card. Is that, you know, that's not really, that's like, like saying, is this really me? Because, you know, I know we fasting, but, you know, is fish meat? You know, it's, that, it's the same thing. You know, we still trying to wiggle away because we just want to buy something. Just be still. Amen. Just be still. Be disciplined. Amen. We said discipline is a forced obedience and it's self-imposed. You oppose it on yourself. Then we learn to make the right decision. You're going to have to learn to be content. Just content. Let me tell you, that, let me tell you, I told, I remember I gave you the goldfish living, we need to be content in living just where we are. Just be content. You don't have to be anxious to do this, that, and the other. Amen? And then we said that sacrifice is required to make the right decision. Sacrifice is a big word for a lot of Christians. Nobody wants to do that. But sacrifice is required if you're going to make the right decisions. Making the right decisions requires that. And let me tell you, decisions are tough. 
There, a lot of times you can get some, you know, I don't know what's the right deal, um, but you sacrifice. You, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to learn to sacrifice. You can't have it all, even though the world tells you you can. You can, you know, you can't have it all. You gotta do the exchange of something. So you're gonna have to be able to sacrifice. The lesser for the greater. Amen? So, we, we talked about that at length. And then we said that, a sacrifice not only means the lesser for the greater. Sacrifice means that we give up short-term pleasure for a long-term gain. Whatever short-term, for a long-term goal or a long-term gain. You give up that and say, you know what, I sacrifice that so I can go further. Just like what you're doing now. You sacrifice spending your money now and for a long-term gain. So, so, so see, if you really obey God where you used to get uh, a stimulus which may not have been as big as it was now but whatever it was and by the next month or two you would broke well now you got a whole month you're going to still have it you're going to still have it and maybe that will give you an incentive to say you know what I need to do this and I need to do that because see you can do this that and the other you can invest everything you just go back and get that if you're not disciplined it's not impressive to do that if you're not disciplined. You have to be disciplined. Amen? And then we said that you have to sacrifice your life. Your life is not your own. You're bought with the price. You have to sacrifice your life. Different things you want to do. We say you have to be, have a willingness to sacrifice your desires. Make God's desires your desires. And then you can have the desires of your heart. Your desires, let me tell you, your desires, most of our desires will lead us into trouble. But if we, if, if we've sacrificed our life to God, then we want His desires. God, what is your desire? What do you want? Because that's what I want. When you do that, you'll learn how to make good decisions. In making de good decisions, it requires a willingness to sacrifice my plans. You know what? Stop planning out everything and ask God. Because let me tell you, when you make a plan, it's just like, I'm telling you, it's just like people that say they want marriage counseling. Well, if you already got the ring and you already set the date and you're already buying gowns and all of that, what you need, what you want, won't you, what do you want that for? Because no matter what someone says, you're not going to change because you're already in the process of doing that. But no, you can't make any plans. If you're going to be in a marital class, a premarital class, you can be courting, but there should not be a date. It, it shouldn't be like, okay, we we get married, we already got a date, we got our flower girl, we got this, we got all that. It shouldn't be all that because then you can't hear correctly. You're going to have shallow hearing and you're not going to obey anything. I mean, I'm, we have told people this time and time again, and young people just don't get it. They, and then they act like, okay, we're going to premarital class together, but you already got in your mind what you're going to do. That's just for show. That's another parent-pleasing pleasing relationship, whether it's with your natural parent or your spiritual parent. That's all you're doing because you've already made up your mind. You don't want to do that. Sacrifice your plans and say, you know what, we're not going to, because if God tells us to wait, are you willing to wait? Some of you, if God tells you to wait, you'll swear it's not God. I just want to, I just, we, we just need to be one. We just need to be one. No, no, you, you need to wait. Didn't say you didn't need to be married. You need to wait. No, no, let, let's just, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. But in order to make and I'm a, I, let me tell you I can already tell you if you've done that you already done made a bunch of bad decisions 
Because in order to make a right one, you got to give your plans to God. You've got to sacrifice your plans and say, wait a minute, I don't want to do it. You're already, and you're still making bad decisions. And you're going to make bad decisions with that little stimmy. Because why? Because you don't know how to sacrifice your plans and see what God wants you to do. Amen? And then we said, our second point was that uh, I have to sacrifice my trust in myself. Mm. We really trust in ourselves way, way too much. Amen. We need to stop having all of this confidence in our flesh. Because that's all you have in confidence is in your flesh. Amen. Then to make the right decision, we have a willingness to sacrifice my identity, who I think I am, and what I think I am, and how I think I am, and this is what, you know, this is who I am, and this is... No, you need to sacrifice your identity. Your identity is in Christ. What you think you are is nothing. You need to sacrifice that. That's a lesser thing. Amen? And then we said to make the right decision, you have the willingness to sacrifice your accomplishments. No matter what you've accomplished, let me tell you, count it dung and say, God, fine, I have all of that, but I won't need to know what you want me to do, how you want me to do it. Just count all of that as dung. Amen? And then we said making the right decision requires a willingness to sacrifice my association. Now, I'm going to tell you how many people don't like to hear that. When you start telling people to sacrifice in their association, they start thinking, why? You know, they've been my friend this long. This, and God is saying, I, didn't, I never tell you who to sacrifice. God said, some of the associations are not going in the same direction you're going in. He didn't say hate them. He didn't say shun them. And don't have, he said, some associations I'm pulling you away from because I have an assignment for you to do. And they're not a part of that assignment. You have to be okay with people not being a part of your assignment. I'm, listen, I, listen, I'm okay with whoever leaves this church and whoever comes. Because everybody that comes is a part of my assignment. Everybody that leaves for whatever reason they leave, if God told you to, then you know what, you're going to hinder my assignment. You're going to hinder it because you're at a place where you don't want to be. And I'm like, well, get, 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 you know what? That means that you're sitting in here with the wrong thinking and hold on. If you, if you, if you, if you're out there, listen so you can find out why you think like you think and why you're in trouble. But then all you do is leave and get out farther outside of the will of God. Foolishness. Amen. So sometimes you have to sacrifice those things. Then you, we said you have the right, you have to make the right decision. You have to have, be willing to sacrifice worldly pleasures. We all want to do what we want to do. Worldly pleasures. Listen, every one of them are short term. Every one of them are short term. Amen. And then we said if you want to make the right decisions, you have to be willing to sacrifice worldly gain. You know, how you want to get this and how fast you want to get money and how you, you know, you're doing everything. and you letting it interfere with your walk with God just to get money. You cannot let trying to get gain at the expense of your relationship with God. You got to say, nope, 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 this is going to interfere right here because I, nope, I see this, uh, that's a worldly gain. It's the lesser. Exchange it. And then we said that we must be willing to sacrifice vanity. Vanity. We said all things in this world are hollow, frail, fleeting, passing away. Don't get caught up in it because it is passing away. 
Now, if you have all of that, go with me to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Right after 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I know you'll be like, where is Titus? Don't go in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Subtitle this particular message, if you will, <clears throat> The Thinking Required to Make the Right Decisions. The Thinking that is Required to Make the Right Decision. Without proper thinking, you will not... Make the right decisions. I'll say it again. Without the right thinking, you will not make the right decisions. Let me tell you, some of you just got upset by the things I just said. That you're thinking. Without the proper thinking, you're going to make the wrong decisions. Amen. Write this down. Make sure you write this down. I'm going to repeat it so you can write this down because this is imperative that you meditate on. Without proper thinking, I will break my commitment. Why? Because I won't have the discipline. I won't have the discipline. And I will not be willing to make the sacrifice. See, the things that God told us before, without the correct thinking, you will break your commitment, you won't have the discipline, and you will be unwilling to make the sacrifice. I'll say it again. Without proper thinking, you will break the commitment. Why? Because you won't have the discipline, and you will not be you will be unwilling to make the sacrifice. You will not. You, you won't do it. You won't do it. You will be unwilling. I'm not willing to do that. I'm, no, you won't. So even though this is the fourth objective that I'm, I'm ministering on and the fourth lesson, in some ways this particular one is the essential one to all the rest. It's the essential one, the, the most essential one. All of them are important, but this is the most essential one because it's going to tie in to everything. Because what? Our thinking drives everything. That's why it's the most important. Your thinking drives everything. Because if you can't think correctly, you cannot make the proper commitment. If you can't think correctly... How can you ever discipline yourself? <laughs> if you can't think correctly, how can you ever be willing to make a sacrifice? Because you don't think correctly. Pay attention. Pray attention. Pray attention. Let me unpack this for you so you can get this. So our thinking is essential. Listen. I said this in other teachings, and I'm going to put us in remembrance of it. A tool is designed to manipulate our actions. Did you hear me? A thought is a tool designed to manipulate our actions. That's what a thought is. There's, listen, there's no such thing as an idle thought. There's no such thing as thinking about nothing. No, no such thing. It is designed, it is a tool that is designed to manipulate our thought. A, th 
thought is a tool. And it's going to manipulate our actions because we're thinking. Now watch this. Now notice what I didn't. Now I didn't say it was designed to manipulate evil or good. It's just, it's just thinking. That thought is designed to manipulate it, whether it's good or bad. Now, and now, what, whether it's good or bad depends on the thought. But it's the thinking that's going to produce the action. Are you with me? See, for example, a hammer is a tool. It's a tool to build something. But if you take a hammer and you swing it the wrong way, it can also break something down. It's a tool. Properly used, it can build up. Wrongly used, it can break down. Are you following me? So, it's the same way, the same thing with the thought. The exact same thing. It can build up or it can tear down. But the action is coming. A thought can either drive a nail and begin to build a building or a hammer can go through a wall. Tear it down. Tear down something that's already been built. Have you ever seen somebody renovation or they, they're, they're, they're doing a whole knockdown? They take hammers and just knock the, into the wall. Just tear it down. So a hammer is a tool. A thought is a tool. It's de- listen, it depends on how you use it. The benefits you're going to get from it, whether you're going to build up or tear down, how you're going to use it. Don't get caught up with the natural hammer. Get caught up with the thought. Again, a thought is a tool designed to manipulate our actions. And we learn that thoughts leads to thinking. In other words, thoughts, listen, thought links themselves up. You have to put it in check. If you don't check it, the thoughts are going to link itself up to something. You have to check your thoughts. And what did we say? Thoughts leads to thinking, and thinking leads to a pattern of thought. It's going to lead to a pattern of thought. Then you're going to start thinking that way. It le- see, you don't see it happening, so you don't know it's happening. But it is. When you start thinking, it's going to lead to a thought pattern. In other words, if I let my thoughts just go, become, and I let my thoughts become thinking, what I'm just thinking, 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 and they're not what they ought to be, listen, that's going to be the way I think on about everything. You're going to think that way about everything because now it's going unchecked. So this producing a pattern in your mind. So the pattern is there. And so I'm going to think that way about everything. So if anything brought to you, you're thinking out of that pattern of thinking that you got from letting that thought just, just fester in your mind. And now it's become a thinking. Do you understand me? It's a pattern of thought. And you're going to start thinking that way. It becomes how I think about everything. And then once, once something becomes a pattern of thinking, that determines the, the quality of your decisions. Because remember, we're talking about how to make the right decision. Then it determines the quality of my decision. That's why many bad decisions have been made. Thinking. And this is why this is so essential 
In this lesson, I want to make sure that we have a pattern of thinking that leads to quality decisions. We've made enough wrong decisions. It's time to have quality decisions. If my thinking's right, listen, no, if your thinking is right, no matter how tough the decision is, the situation is, the circumstance is, whatever it, whatever it is, let me tell you, if you have the right th- thinking, you're going to make the right decisions. No matter how tough it is. No matter how tough the decision-making process is when it comes to it, you're going to make the right one with the proper thinking. Why? And I make, because I make decisions, and I make quality decisions when I think in a quality way. That's how I make quality decisions. See, you can't, listen, you can't make any quality decisions if you're fornicating. Because you got wrong thoughts in your head. You're committing adultery. You're stealing. You're lying. You're cheating. You're doing all You're never going to make quality decisions. Because you got wrong. Because if you're doing those kind of things, I'm going to tell you you're thinking wrong. So you got wrong thinking in your head. Church, making the right decision requires a pattern of thought that leads to a quality decisions. This is what we have to understand. So, listen, and, and please write this down so you will understand this, especially those that just got saved and those that have been saved a while. Listen, say, salvation was instant, but thinking, thinking correctly takes time. Salvation is boom. You believe in your heart. You confess the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe in, in, in that Jesus raised, God raised Jesus from the dead. And boom, you are saved. You believed in your heart. You are saved. But correct thinking takes time. When to learn to think correct, think takes time. See, some of you, you're going to get this. You're going to act like you're thinking correctly for a day. No, it takes time. Especially when you've had wrong thinking. Salvation was instant, but not correct thinking. Thinking takes time. Why? Because when you came to the Lord, you had a pattern of thought. That's why it takes time. You came, when you came, you already had a pattern of thought. And that pattern of thought was contrary to the Word of God. Let me just tell you right now. Before it was, uh, it was contrary to the Word of God and to the will of God. This is one of the reasons why I think making the right decision is so difficult. This is one of the reasons. Because of the pattern of thinking. And it makes it difficult to just make the right decision. Ooh. And you always end up making the wrong one. This, this, is, this is why. It's a pattern of thought. See, and this is, this is what's happening. We're, we're trying to make a renewed decision with an unrenewed mind. Won't work. It don't, it will not. See, you, that's why God tells you, renew your mind. In order to, that's how you'll stop making mistakes. And we keep trying to have an unrenewed mind And get a renewed choice or a renewed decision. You have to get your mind in a position where it is now willing and able to make quality decisions. You have to do that. 
Get your mind in position. Listen, I have to think. Now, write this down. To 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 be to think correctly, I have to accept sound doctrine. Let that be your number one. In order to think correctly, I must accept sound doctrine. Ooh, and I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna say it. You know, people don't like to hear, but it's a lot of churches don't have sound doctrine. I know it's your favorite place to be and it's where you've been, but you need sound doctrine to make the right decision. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you from my experience. I like to give you my experiences because I don't want to give you someone else's because people get offended with that. But I've learned over time, being a pastor's wife, being a minister, and, 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 and being a pastor now, that dealing with people is different. It's really different. It is how, and it's different because every person that you deal with, are, they're people that have been taught how to think. I'm going to show you. I'm going to say that again. Over time, because this has been a period of time, in dealing with people, it is how a person is taught that determines how they think. So when I'm dealing with and talking to different people, I kind of know some of their background because, listen again, it's how a person is taught determines how they think. Listen. I've learned this because I've, I've, I've met a few people and talked to different people with different things. I've learned that a, I, a, I've learned this about an IT person. When I say IT per person, for those who don't know, I'm just talking about, you know, the information technology person. When you talk to them, every, it, just notice if you have friends or you know people with the IT deal, they all think alike. They all think alike. They really do. I've noticed teachers, they all think alike. When I'm dealing with teachers, they all, you can kind of almost know where they're going because they all kind of, you know, you can kind of expect a certain Educators all kind of think the same way. People in counseling, same thing. They all think, you can almost anticipate what a counselor is going to say. Because, that, I mean, because they've been taught to think that way. Engineers, we got engineers in here. I'm telling you, they have a whole, they, they've been taught to think a certain way. Listen, church, if you want to have a thinking that's going to allow you to make the right choices, the right choices like you know you need to, you're going to have to be taught sound doctrine. You're going to have to be taught that. Because it's a teaching. What I was saying about them, they've been taught that way. They have a way that they think. And sound doctrine, listen, sound doctrine is truth taught to us. 
so that we can know how to exist in this present time. And we've learned in this ministry that teaching is teaching and teaching and repeating and repeating until learning takes place. You will notice that architects, again, engineers, it is the same thing. They all have a, I'm telling you, engineers, and we got engineers here, they all have a certain linear thinking. You talk to and you meet somebody else that don't even know them, and they're engineers, and they kind of got the same thinking. They got a certain way that they go about thinking. <laughs> Y'all know it's true. And this is what you need to realize. They probably didn't realize it when it happened. But when they went to college, the teachers, the instructors, and the professors that taught them, they kept repeating things to them, repeating and telling them things that they needed to know, and kept saying it and saying it until they graduated, listened, walked across the stage with a pattern of thought that made them like who they were. That's the way it works. And it's the same way. You're here. And I'm trying to get you with a pattern of thought. They do it so when they walk across and when you go across, when you walk out of here, you need to have a pattern of thought. So whether IT engineer, I'm telling you, whoever, teacher, counselor, accountant, by the time all of them walked across the stage, they were taught to think a certain way. And they taught them long enough and hard enough so that when they walked across the stage and got out where they were supposed to, they were going to produce an outcome with what they have been taught to think. And now even self-consciously, they, you know, they all go about those things. They don't even, they don't even see it. And sometimes even their spouses be like, I don't know why they, I don't know why they think like that. Because they've been taught to think that way. Just like you've been taught. The same way. You see people in the military. Same process. They all think alike. They've been taught to think that way. Why do you think they have boot camp and they have the training dealer? It's to teach you to think a certain way. Same, same thing. Why am I spending so much time on this? It's because I want you to understand. Please understand this. When we teach on subjects, in this ministry, whatever subject it is, whatever scripture, and we spend time on it, we spend a lot of time on it, because why? This is a training ground. It's a place where you're going to learn a pattern of thinking, a pattern of thought. 
When you log in on Sundays and Tuesdays and you begin to sit and listen to the Word, you take out your Bibles and you go along and you write your notes and you do all that, you have to understand in your head, I am enrolled in a biblical course of study of the Word. So you gave all that attentive to those institutions. Well, this is one. It's a biblical course of let me, especially a teaching ministry. Biblical course of study. See, it's not about everybody just saying amen and hallelujah and get with that preacher. And it's, it's not about any of that. It's not about people throwing handkerchiefs, you know. Uh, it's not about any of those things. It's about God trying to give us sound doctrine. And out of that sound doctrine, and over the time of teaching and teaching, over and over again, develop a pattern thought. A pattern thought. And in when that pattern thought is developed because I've set up under it. See, I'm not talking about, see, this is where you separate going, just going to church and actually being in class and talk. The person that go in, in the natural college, those that go into the classroom and listen to everything and go, and those that ain't doing nothing, they usually don't graduate and the others do. The same principle. And, you know, we like to just, you know, act like, you know, I go to church. But you go to church with all kind of wrong thoughts in your head, sitting in here, not learning anything. Just say, I've been in church. Anytime you can say, well, I've been in it since we were children. And, I, and then you look where, how far you are, just know you played in church all day long. Because if you've been there as long as you think you've been there, you ought to know something. That's like people going to college to get a B.A. and go for 10 years. You're playing. You're just sitting up in there and you look good and you're going to the institution. But you don't, you won't let them develop a pattern of thinking that's going to produce results because you won't be disciplined and committed and sacrifice nothing for it. So we understand that in this ministry... We are developing a pattern of thought with sound doctrine that's being taught and is taught by His power and His grace and it's our responsibility to receive it. We have to receive it. The sound doctrine that we are receiving, it teaches us the power of grace. Meaning the power of God that's bestowed upon us. It teaches us that. That that power that was bestowed upon us to save us. The power of God that is sufficient on the inside of us. To restore all the breaches in our families. In our lives. And we have to go through the process. Of learning. It is the power of God to establish the plan. His plan for our lives, the power of God to establish our house based on the principles that we have been taught. And I'm telling you, in this ministry, we have been taught many principles. 
and we've got many more to teach. This sound doctrine teaches us about the power of grace. See, not just that we have power, and power is good, and we have that, but with power, see, everybody wants power, but do you know with power comes, comes responsibility? <laughs> when you get power, it, it, you have responsibility when you have power. So then I need to find out what is my responsibility now that I receive this power. And you're thinking. Now I did all of that and said all of that to set you up and explain to you what's going on right here in Titus. I hadn't forgot about Titus. It's just explaining to you that what Paul was trying to put in the heart of Titus. He was charging Titus to put it in his heart. Because he was going to have to deliver things to people he was in charge of. And if you will, in Titus chapter 2, beginning at verse 11, it reads, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, in this present world. I love that. In this present world. I just, I just love that. Looking for the blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us. That he might redeem us from all iniquity. And purify us unto himself. A peculiar people. Everybody say peculiar. A peculiar people. Zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. I like that last one. He said, exhort and rebuke. Nobody wants rebuke. He's telling him, he said, now you're going to have to do it all. Because you're in charge of these people. And they're going to run into some rough spot and they're going to do some wrong things. He said, so you can exhort them but also rebuke. With all authority. I'm giving you all authority to do just that. Let no man despise thee. He said, listen, this is the doctrine that you have to get on the inside. Church, it, listen. If it seems to you like Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year, and our founding pastor was very, he was very stern on this. If it seems like we say the same thing, or we teach the same thing over and over, we connect the same things from month to month, that is supposed to happen. Listen, that is supposed to happen. Why? You enrolled here. Just like you were in school. They came back and they kept telling you the same thing. They'd add a little more and get you back to the same thing. They'd add a little more and come back to the same thing. Why? You enrolled. So now you want a new message every time you come in. That's not proper. That's not sound doctrine. We've got to keep repeating until a pattern of thinking. And that takes time. Lots of time. And that pattern of thinking that allow you to choose life every time. See, that's what we need to get. We got to have a pattern of thinking that every time a decision comes up, I'm going to choose life every time. Why? Because it's my pattern of thinking. 
<laughs> that's why Paul, that's why the Bible says in Peter, he said, as long as I'm in this temple, I'm going to keep you in remembrance. He said that because he said, I'm going to keep saying the same thing. As long as I'm in this temple, I'm going to keep you in remembrance. That's why Paul said, it's not grievous to me to say the same thing. He said, because it's safe. It's safe. And everybody that always say, who oh, is he saying the same thing? Those are people that are, don't even know what, don't, don't even know. They always want something new and can't even walk in the old. In other words, until we allow the teachings of sound doctrines not only just change our thought, but become our thinking. Not only just change our thought that we're thinking, but change our whole way of thinking. Until it becomes a pattern of thought. And then we allow us to have a pattern of, of, of we can have a pattern of decision making. Always life. And we'll have a pattern where the decision that we made once and another one that I have to make won't defile the one that I made before. Why? Because I have a pattern of thought. And so I'm going to always think correctly. So I'm going to make the right decision. So it's not going to null and void the right decision I once made and then make two wrong ones and that null and void the right one. No, I want that right one to be right and I want the next one to be just as right. Just as right. Are you with me? You have to understand that church. Now watch this. Making the right decision. I have to renounce my old life. I have to renounce my old life. Go with me to Second Corinthians. A few books over. A couple of books over. Chapter 10. Keep your book, your uh, mark in Titus though. But go to Second Corinthians chapter 10. I, if I'm going to make right decisions, I have to renounce my old life. Listen, if you are in a church, I'm talking to you out there. If you're in a church or you listen to a preacher that never, ever hear, you never hear them talking about renouncing your old life, I'm telling you that is not sound doctrine. Did you hear me? If you're sitting in a ministry and all they talk about is what God is going to do for you and how many cars and houses and money and stuff you have and never talk about renouncing your old life, I'm here to tell you that is not sound doctrine. Sound doctrine teaches us that because I have received grace, I have a responsibility to leave and renounce my old life. That's my responsibility. Listen, that's what, now that I've received grace, I have a responsibility. i got to leave that old life. Here's what's key. I'm going to say something really profound right now. Really profound. So I want everybody to get through right now, and I want you to look up, because this is so profound that you're going to have to pay attention. I'm going to say something real profound. Your old life is your old life. That's it. That's profound. Because you ain't meditated on it. See, you got a pattern of thinking, so it don't mean nothing to you. But just grab it. Catch it right now. Put it on the shelf. You'll get it later. But that's profound. Your old life is your old life. 
You know, I can remember years and years ago when I moved from a house to another house. And that house was called, and is still called, an old house. Listen to me. About some 20 years ago, I moved from my old house and I moved to another house. Now, when I first moved from that house and I would go somewhere, I didn't live there anymore, but when I would go somewhere and I'd come back, I'd find myself turning left to go there instead of right to go to my new house. And it was just because I was used to that old house. And I would always start turning left and they're like, oh, you know what, I don't live over there no more. I gotta go right. And I get, I kept doing that for a while. But it was my old house. It wasn't until after a while after I became, got into the new house that I stopped doing that. I stopped making the wrong turn or heading that way. Not even just making the, the turn toward that. I would just head that way. You might be a distant, but I'm heading that way. But in my thinking, I'm going to that house. But that's an old house. It took me a while. But then after I began to live in the new house a while, then all of a sudden, I didn't even be concerned about that. I never, I, I don't, even to this day, I don't go, I don't go to the right to go where I used to. It's my old house. Now I go, I just, just go out. Because why? My thinking changed. See, my thought pattern changed. My thought pattern was my old house. Now I never even think about it. I never even think about, let me tell you, I never even think about who lives there. I never go by and want to go touch the door. I, hey, I don't even have a key, key to the old house. But why? Because I don't live there anymore. And so, in essence, what I did was renounce the old house. <laughs> I renounced the old house when I got in the new house. But when I renounced it, I still had a pattern of thinking toward it. Until I kept living in the old new house. And then it changed my way of thinking. And then it became a pattern of thought. Then I no longer tried to veer off. Or I never thought about going that way. Because it's old. That's the old house. I've left it completely behind me. It had to get in my consciousness. <laughs> oh, let me tell you. You got to get it in there and in your thinking. See, many of us have come into the body, but we've not really renounced our old life. I don't care how long you've been in. Don't You know, I've been in it, so that's not for me. No, because let me tell you, if you've been living outside of the Word of God, I don't care how long you've been saved, you still haven't renounced. If you're still acting the same old way you act when you was a sinner, you have not renounced the old life. So we keep put, you know, finding ourselves turning to the left <laughs> or putting the left signal on. And be like, uh, uh, yeah, still trying to go to that old you. You turn that left signal, you know why? Because you've kept an emotional 
and mental and fleshly connection to the destination that you no longer call home, but you're still connected to it. That's why you can act a fool. That's why you think all wrong. You have not renounced the old. Oh, I want to stop thinking like this. See, you haven't renounced the old. That's why you still think like that. Note this as your letter A. Making the right decision requires that I challenge every thought. Challenge it. Every thought. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought, not some, but every thought, to the obedience of Christ. And having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. I'm going to make the right decisions. Uh, if, if you're going to make the right decisions, I must challenge every thought. Did you hear me? If, if, if you're going to make the right decision, I have to challenge every thought. I have to go through a, you have to go through a mental exercise. Really, you have to go through a mental exercise for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. Where am I taking my thoughts every time I have a thought? See, you have to, you have to take that exercise. Where's my thought going? You must realize it is not an idle thing that you just thought. There's no such thing. You can't think of it as an idle thing. It's a dangerous thing. Did you hear me? It's a hammer. And before you swing it, you need to know where it's going. Because that's what it is. That thought, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before I swing that hammer. And it says, take every thought. Bring it into captivity. Say, no, wait a minute. See, I gotta do the exercise before I execute anything. Let me do the exercise and see how is this thinking? Where is this pattern come from? Is this coming from that old house? Is this, wait a minute, let me, let me do exercise. What does that mean? It means that I have to take every thought, listen, and refer it back to the truth. That's how you can do the exercise. Take it, refer it back to the truth. Referred back to sound doctrine that you've been given. And you have to see how that, 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 that thought aligns itself with the truth. Does it align with the truth? If the thought does not align itself with the truth, then I have to bend that thought. Bend it. You got it captured. You're not aligning with you. I dare, I think you bend that thing, you bend that thought, you reshape it to the truth. 
Like, nope, we're going we finna, to we finna add all, all the sound doctrine that I know, every word, everything I've been taught, I put it on that and bend that till I make it true. This is your exercise. You have to literally say, this is not the truth. This is not the will of God. This is, and then you have to, with the word, say, this is the truth. You have to work, listen, you have to work with that thought until that thought obeys. That's what it just told you. You've got to make that thought obey and aligned itself with sound doctrine. Now line up. That was the wrong thought. Your parents make you mad. You got a wrong thought. Make it pay. Don't let it fester. That's not an idle thought. Oh, yeah, I think that way, but I love my parents. It doesn't matter. It's not an idle thought. It's going to set a pattern of thinking in your mind. And you can think any old kind of way about your parents. In anything else, because you let the pattern be formed in your head, in your mind, in your spirit, in your soul. You capture it before it gets there. Bend it. Make it truth. Make it pay. You don't align. You don't align with the Word of God. You do not align with sound doctrine. And I'm not having it. You have to do that until your mind realizes that it's not going to be allowed to have the, that thought anymore. Take it one, type, one thought at a time. Say, no, mind, you're not having that kind of thought. You've got to be kidding. You're not having that kind of thought. Make it align. It starts to have thoughts based on who you are. Why? Because I have renounced my old house. See, I'm going to have thoughts based on who I am. I'm a child of God. That's the kind of thoughts I'm going to have. I've moved out of that house. You line up with this new house. You make that thinking. Think the way. Listen, remember what we're talking about. How to make right decisions. If this is all wrong, you're never going to make right decisions. I have to renounce the world. Renounce my old address. Tell your mind, we renounce that. I renounce the old place that I used to, the old way of thinking. I don't live there anymore. Your worldly friends coming to you, you got to renounce the world. I have a new way of living and a new way of thinking. Did you hear me? I have a new way of living and a new way of thinking. That's why Paul, I believe, said, first, what so, think on those things. Think, first of all, think on the things that are true. First of all, you've got to think on that which is true. Before you do anything else, think on those things that are true. I have to make sure that I'm getting my thought life back on track. And back on truth. You get back on truth. How many of you know that you can think a lie? You can think a lie. You, you can think a lie until it becomes thinking. 
You know, a lot of times we worry a lot about the devil deceiving us and people deceiving us. But the biggest deception <laughs> is us. We looking at everybody else and worried about the devil. And, you know, and a lot of us that's doing it, we claim it. That devil is like, no, it, the devil didn't have nothing to do with that. That was self-deception. Those are different things in the, the, that we allow our thoughts just, to just roll around in our hearts. Just roll around. Just, 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 and I mean, you think on it all day and the next day. Just rolling all around in there and in your mind. And they don't align themselves with truth. You don't have a key to that old house. Don't go back. Why are you going by? Renounce that. Some of you, you have not yet renounced that, you know, you just letting it go. It's just working in your mind, in your thinking. You got to renounce that and make it a part of your thinking. I'm never going back there. Instead of talking about what you missed from being out there. I'm never going back there. I'm never going back to that. I'm never going to do that again. You have to do that. Making the right decisions, let her be. That I pull down strongholds. That's, you have to pull down strongholds. The stronghold. That's what I, if I'm going to make the right decision, I have to pull down stronghold. A stronghold is a fortified opinion against the truth. That fortified opinion against the truth. Listen, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to allow sound doctrine to pull down those things that I have allowed, you have allowed to build up on the inside of you. That's contrary to truth. You got to say no. I need that pulled down. You'll never be able to defend yourself against the truth. See, and that's really what a stronghold is. It is a defense that you have built up to keep you separated from the truth. You don't get it. It's a defense. That's what a stronghold is. It's a defense to separate you from truth. That's truth. You know what? You'll be like, that's true. You, you hear the truth, but I don't want to change. Because I like it. See, see, you build up a defense. You don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to hear it. So what? So I'm going to build up an opinion as to why I don't want to live in truth. You already got this. You're thinking on it. That's how thinking starts. And it's going to perform, uh, 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 it's going to produce a pattern of thought. You're going to have to pull down strongholds. Then let her see. If you're going to make the right decisions, you have to cast down imaginations. Cast them down. Personally, I like to define imagination simply as a mental movie. <laughs> That's all an imagination is, a mental movie. And everybody, everybody say everybody, everybody has them. Everybody has them. It's just a mental movie. Did you hear me? It's just a mental movie. And you know, some of you, you know, you can, you, you've been, you haven't been able to go to the movies for a whole year. 
And, you know, people are always like, oh, well, you know, movies is kind of a little bit dangerous. Everything's out there, in there, everything. But listen, <laughs> it's just a mental movie. Imagination. So you might not go to the physical movie, but you pop popcorn at home and you sit at home and you have a mental movie. That's, just, it's, that's more dangerous than the, the ones at the movie theater. You get you something cold to drink and sit down and relax and the mental movie begins. It's on the inside. How you think. Things that are going on. What's happening. All those. That's mental movie. And it goes on and on and on. It builds up. And you sitting there and you just going through all of that. It's a mental movie. Everybody have one. Are you following me? And they're damaging. A bad movie going on in your head will make you make bad choices. Bad decisions. Because it's a mental movie going on in your head. That's an imagination. You cannot let it go on in your head. You will never make quality decisions. It's going to lead you to bad decisions. Now, I told you to stay in Titus chapter 2. Go back there. Note this for your second point. Making the right decisions require that I accept my new life. i got to accept this new life that I'm in. Not only do I have to renounce my old life, but I must accept my new life. Let's go back to that example of the old house versus the new house. Watch this. If I moved out of my whole old house and I'm renouncing my old house, I don't, I don't go by there. I don't go that way. Now, if I moved out of it, I don't go that way anymore. Listen, but if I don't move into the new house, guess what you are? Homeless. See, you had the old house. You'd have moved out. You no longer have the key. You can't go there. But you won't go into the new house. You are homeless. And I believe out there, I believe out there, if you listen to me, listen, there are many homeless believers. Homeless believers. You're trying to renounce your old life, but you're just not ready to accept the new life. Not quite ready to divorce that yet. But I'm saved. But if you're going to think correctly, you have to... And you have those types of thoughts that you still want to hold on. That leads to the types of decisions that are not quality. You gotta renounce those things to have quality decisions. It will lead to the wrong one. It will lead, let me tell you, if you want to lead, be led to a point where you want to establish your home, wanna, you know, you wanna establish your families, you have to accept the new life. You cannot keep trying to dibble and dabble in the old. Gonna always make bad decisions. You're gonna even get counsel from people that'll give you the right decision to make and you still gonna make the wrong one. 
because you're thinking wrong. You haven't renounced it. But sound doctrine teaches us to accept the new life, the new house. Sound doctrine will do that. Say, accept your new life in Christ. And then you have to embrace that life. Take it in. Teaching is repeating and repeating until learning takes place. I have to keep hearing and hearing and hearing sound doctrine and then until I'm ready to embrace it. That's why we have to keep push that's why we go over and over. We go back to married class. We go back to the same subjects. Why? Because you have to go over and over and over again. You're in an institution and you're in class. You're in a biblical course of study. And we go back and we come back and we start ministering to you. Even in AMC. Don't think I don't know exactly what's going on. We are, how many years we took the same thing to try to get you out of being lawless? You don't need nothing new. When are they going to teach something new? When you get out of lawlessness. You ain't got to look for nothing new. That's foolishness. Because if God is keep saying it, it's because you're walking in it. It's safe for you. And I'll guarantee you, everybody that's been in those classes, you can, you can tell. Every year you go back, you hear something that you were lawless in. You'll be like, oh yeah, I was, but I ain't, I'm going to keep that on the down low. But, but, but it, nevertheless, God is still saying, you need to come out of that lawlessness. Or whatever we're teaching. Renounce that stuff. And get, sound doctrine teaches us to accept our new life. I have to embrace it. Look at what he's saying here in, two, in, in Titus 2 verse 12. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present time. I love that. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I'm telling you, I just love in this present world. Making the right decisions. Letter A is that I have to, that I accept righteousness as my way of life. If I'm going to make the right decisions, I must accept righteousness as my way of life. That old things have passed away and everything now is becoming new. I have to accept that righteousness is who I am. God has made me righteous and now I'm going to live a righteous life. you got to do that. To make the right decisions, let it be. I have to accept godliness as my present position. I have to accept godliness is my present position. I like the way Paul said it in 12 because I, I, I love, he said, in this present time. Because, see, it, a lot of times we can use what's going on now as to why that we are not godly. God is saying, I'm going to need you to be godly in 2021. <laughs> right now. Let me share something with you. God knew what was going to happen in 2020. 
He knew what was going to happen in 2018. He knew what was going to happen in 2021. You just didn't know. God was not surprised by anything. God wasn't surprised by the snowstorm. You were. We were. He was never surprised by any of that. God knew what last year was, this year is. He knew what it's going to be like. He's trying to prepare us. This year is not a surprise to him. And if, we, if, and if you're honest, there's been a lot of things that have happened over this year and last year, a lot of things that were said, a lot of things that was done to people in the public eye that we've seen. People got killed, people saying different things and, you know, doing different things and a bunch of racist stuff going on, all those type of things. And I'm telling you, sometimes you want to ask God, you know what? Do I have to be righteous at, with them doing this? I mean, can I say just a little something back? Because in, in, in this present time, I mean, we've all seen it. And we all like, you know what? Mm-mm. I can't take it. I can't take this. This is crazy. We need to do this. And then we start talking foolishly. Let, let's be honest. Because we've heard things, especially from our political leaders, just different things. And it's like, really, God? Can we just have a little anger about this and get a little bit in the flesh and, and, and repent later? You know, that's the thing that Christians like to say. I know it's not right, but I wish he'd go to hell. You know, and, 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 and you know, you, you're supposed to be godly, but, but Paul just said, no, you're going to have to be godly in the present time. There's been some issues in all of our families as a result of everything that's going on. We understand that. There's also been challenges, challenges that a lot of us are going through. But we still have to be godly at this time. And listen, what God is telling us here in Titus 2 is no matter what time it is, no matter what time we find ourselves in, we have to accept that God still wants us to be godly. God still wants us to have reverence and respect for Him in this time, for His Word, and understand that his word and his will has never changed no matter what's going on. In, well, why is God letting this happen? Why is God letting... God said, my word and my will never changes. And God said, you just live godly. Whether you live in godly with a mask on or mask off. God said, you got to live godly in this present time. You gotta live godly if you're virtually, everything at home is virtual. You gotta be godly at home. Whether I'm going through a challenge, God said you gotta still be godly. I gotta be godly when people around me disrespect me, don't like me, I still gotta be godly. Why? It's this present time. God said you can't change because people change. And listen, if I'm going to make the right decision, I have to accept 
that I am a peculiar person. I am a peculiar person. And I'm going to say this especially. I was thinking about it at home, and I want to especially, I want to, especially uh, want to tell some of you young folks this because this, this is what God was dealing with me about, so I know it's going on with you. You know, many of you, you love being a believer, but the thing you hate about being a believer most of all, listen to me, you young ones, you 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 like saying you're a believer and you want to be a believer but the thing you hate about being a believer is that you're going to stop you I can't be cool anymore I can't be cool See you keep thinking or thought you can't be cool and be a Christian or be a believer, especially those of you in your 20s. Everybody in their 20s. See, you still want to fit in as it relates to, you know, your walk. You still want to fit in. You kind of want, you know, I'll, yeah, I'm walking this, but, you know. You, you, you still want to have that persona that when I walk in the place, I want to be noticed. I'm cool. It's really, listen, listen to me. See, you want to serve God, I believe that, but you don't want to necessarily look like it. I don't want to dress like it. I don't want to look like it. But I do love God. I, I, you know, I just want to look like everybody else, though. I just want to look like everybody else and then just, you know, come to church, praise God, and Holy, Holy Stream, and, you know, now that we ain't really come to church, but when we do come, you know, come, praise God, do all of that. And you know what? I think that's kind of a good idea because, you know, I can hang around my friends and look like them and they think that I'm cool just like them and, yeah, I'm cool. And guess what? And then I can just spring it on them and say, I love God. And they'd be like, what? You do it, you know, you, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I think that'd be really good because, you know, I look like them and they don't really know. So, and I just spring it on them and, yeah, I'm, I'm with God. I'm helping you, 20s, maybe some 30s. How foolish is that? Listen, but now God wouldn't have gave me this if, if it's not so. If it's not what you're thinking. Now you can't, now see, usually if you sit in here, you be like, somebody told her that. Now you know we ain't been, we've been social distancing. We ain't been talking to nobody. This is straight up God. So you don't want to look like it, but you want to be it. Now, you like, yeah, can I do that? That sounds good, but, but Pastor, is that okay? You know, we don't have to look like it, and then, you know, I can tell them later on. That they, God says no. 
No way. You should be distinctively different. For a reason. No, no, no. God is telling you, I didn't call you to be like everybody else. Did you hear me? Thinking that you can be like everybody else to win somebody is heresy. He didn't call you to be like everyone else. That's the doctrine of the Antichrist. God said, I've called you out of darkness. And you have to be distinctively different. He said, come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing. He didn't say go socialize with them and then spring it on them. And you have to accept, I don't care whether you read it in the Greek, the Hebrew, the Italian, the what, whatever you want to, the German, the English. The word peculiar, when he said peculiar, listen, let me tell you what it means. Peculiar sounds like what it means. Peculiar. It means I'm not going to fit in. Peculiar people don't fit in. It sounds just, just, it is what it is. I'm not going to fit in. I'm not going to be, you're not going to be like everybody else in the world. But here's the good news. Especially for you young men and women. Especially if you getting back into college and, you know, they starting to open up stuff and they're going to require you to come back in and, and then just whatever. But you're getting back into that role, getting back into that environment. Listen to me carefully, trying to help you. You are not going to fit in. Be okay with that. Too many people have gone off to college and just fit in. But you're not going to fit into the world. Listen, you're not going to fit into the world and ever be what God has called you to be. Mm -mm. You won't be what God called you to be. But this is the best thing about being a peculiar people. You're not alone. You're not alone. Did you notice he didn't say you're a peculiar person? He said you're a peculiar people. And that word people means a collection of people, a nation of people. You are a peculiar people. You're not alone. You are a part of a peculiar people. And no matter where you are, you all, listen, will be distinctively different. Listen. Every one of you peculiar people will be distinctively different, but distinctively different in the same way. Oh, you get that later. All of you peculiar people will be distinctively different, but different in the same way. You have to set, you have to set your mind to think in that way. Set your mind to thinking I'm not going to fit in. I can't fit in. Why? Because God didn't create me to fit in. And be okay with that. Because you're not by yourself. I promise you that. He created you for good works. And don't be embarrassed that you want to do some good things for the Lord. 
Get in position to do that. Note this as your third and final point. Making the right decision requires that I must acknowledge that I am an heir. See, you gotta tell, you gotta say that out aloud. I'm heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Sound doctrine teaches us that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Simply put, sound doctrine teaches us that we are children of the Most High God. And I have to let Him dictate my thoughts. I let His Word dictate my thoughts. You know, when I was growing up, and most of you when you was growing up, you know, you were your parents' child, and they'd let you know when you went out, you my child, act like it. You can act a fool at this house, but when you get out there, you better not act no fool. Why? Because you got, you got my name. They drill that in you. So you have to understand, you need to drill that into your thoughts and your thinking. I am an heir of God. Join heirs. I'm his child. I'm an heir. Join heirs with Jesus Christ. Drill that in your thinking. And then you have to say, just like you, your, your parents tell you, you have to say, and I represent him. I don't care if you made a mistake. Get up! And represent now. And you have to understand when you, when you represent Him and you represent Christ and the Word of God, when you represent this church, when you represent, listen, your decisions are not just your own decisions. You have to make any kind of decision and think it's not going to affect your family. It's not going to, it's going to, you, it doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just reflect on just you. I'm just doing it. Don't have nothing to do with nobody else. It's just me. Do you have siblings? Do you have parents? Do you have a church? Do you have a pastor? Do you have people that love you? The people that are encouraging you? It's going to affect them. Your, listen, your, your decisions is not just how you want your life to turn out without affecting and impacting someone else. It's not just about what you want. See, that's so selfish. That's what me and my family want. It's, let me tell you, when you are called by God and you are in the body of Christ, let me tell you, everything you do is going to uh, affect and impact someone else. You have to say, I'm an heir of God. I'm his child. And if I don't make good decisions, it's going to reflect on my heavenly father. It's going to hurt him. I've got to accept that down on the inside. You've got to get it down. Titus chapter 2, back to verse, uh, 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 look at chapter 3. Where are we? Chapter 3, verses... Where am I? Oh, in verses 3. Chapter 3, beginning at verse 3. Let's read that. Listen, you've got to accept on the inside who you are. 
Beginning at verse 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Yep, I was that. Disobedient. Yep. See, you, see, you can say yes when you see some of that that you are. I know you're not now because it says, well, for we ourselves were sometimes. See, when I, when I read that, I said, yep, yep, I was that. Yep, yep, woo, yep, 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 yep. So you can go and say, yep, I'll hear you. I'll hear you through the stream. Okay? So when we read these, if it's you, just say yep. Don't be like, well, okay, I had two out of three. Look, you were heathen. I don't care if you did one. But I guarantee you did more than one. But And since you've been saved. But okay, let's go with that. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. Mm-hmm. Disobedient. Mm-hmm. Deceived. Mm-hmm. Serving divers, lusts, and pleasures. Mm-hmm. Living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Mm-hmm. But after that, the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus, our Savior. That's encouraging. Because we were all of that. And he said, I'm now, now see, he came and gave kindness while we were in all of that foolishness. Not when you got saved. He did this before. Not, you know, not when, you know, now you cleaned up. No, when you were filthy. He came with kindness and love, it says. Mm, mm, mm church making right decisions, letter A, that I acknowledge the love and kindness of God. I got to acknowledge that. Father, I'm so thankful for your love and your kindness. I have to keep acknowledging that on the inside, in spite of my foolishness, my self-deception, my crazy, crazy actions, my hateful behavior. He loved me and he loves me. He loved me and he loves me. Kindness. And because he loved him, what? I'm going to make the right decisions that best represent him. Why? Because he showed me love and kindness when I was so foolish. Making the right decisions required, let it be, that I acknowledge the power of the Holy Spirit. I gotta acknowledge the power. People are scared of the Holy Spirit. Don't even have Him. Love God. And they don't have no power. You have to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit is your teacher. Your reminder. God, thank you that the Holy Spirit is my ever-present help. He's my dwelling. He's dwelling on the inside of my spirit. God, He's down there. Thank you, Lord. I acknowledge it. I keep acknowledging it. He's renewing me every day. Even when I fall, I get up. He's renewing me every day. Why? Because I have His Spirit down on the inside. I'm going to make the right decision. I don't have to make the wrong decisions because He's down on the inside of me, Lord. What a loving kindness. Making the right decisions requires that I acknowledge my hope. Get your hope up. Acknowledge my hope. I'm going to connect something from last Sunday that will help us out. See, our thinking and our ability to sacrifice, listen, 
they're tied into hope. Did you hear me? Our thinking and our ability to sacrifice, they're tied into hope. You know what causes you to make the right decisions when you have hope? You know, you know, hope allows you to do it because hope makes you step back and see the big picture. That's what hope does. When you're about to make a decision, hope makes you step back. Wait a minute. And see the whole picture. See, sometimes you're short-sighted because you don't see the whole picture. And you just want to make a decision on it. Those are wrong ones. Get your hope in what you've been taught. In God. In His Word. In His direction of the Holy One. Living on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit. Let Him direct you. And He'll make you step back and see the whole picture. And when you start seeing the big picture of what God is trying to do in your life, when you step back, see, when you, you, guess what he won't do? He won't push you back. you got to step back. Did you hear me? He won't push you back. He won't pull you back. you got to step back and start to see the big picture of what God is trying to do in your home, what God is trying to do in your life. When you step back, you start seeing the big picture of God wants to do in your church. See, that will make you be still. See, you don't, you don't see the big picture. You'll be still. You'll be like, oh, God, I see what we're doing and I see where we're going. I need to get myself rooted, grounded, established. I need to be getting myself prepared for when we come back. That's what you need to be doing. That's what I'm doing, getting myself prepared for when we come back here as well and we can move forward and we can go forward. Oh, you got to know what God wants to do for the church, what he's trying to do in the body of Christ. When you step back, you see God is setting you up. He's setting you up. Not only to have life, listen, he's not only setting you up to have life, but he wants you to have it more abundantly. He said, I want you to have more than I want it to be overflowing in your life. So that you can also, and, and he said, okay, life, I want you to have it more abundantly, but I won't even stop there. I even want you to have everlasting life. Life after this. Ooh. After this, when you understand down on the inside that God has set everything up for you to have life, abundant life, He set you to live above the stereotype. He said, get above that. He wants to, he, he wants to set you up to exceed man's expectations of you. To exceed it. Expect man's expectation of your life. He set you up so that you can be complete in Jesus. Complete in Jesus. He's already set the thing in your favor. It's already in your favor that you can have life. You gotta stop rejecting it. You can have the abundant life. Oh, thank you, Lord. And, and what, what's such a blessing with everlasting life? After you've had life and had the abundant life, if that wasn't enough, he said, no, I'm setting you up that even after you live, I'm going to have you ushered into heaven to eternal life. Set up already. 
You don't have to make the wrong decision. He said, I'm going to usher you right into everlasting life, right here, right now, after you've lived and made all the right decisions, lived the abundant life. I still have something after you fall asleep. After you fall asleep. Mm, what a favor. And that's abundant life. To already have eternal life already set for me. Already set for me. The everlasting life. Wide, see, you widen it all out to that hope. Widen it out to hope. That God has put into your life. And all of that. Widen it out. Then you narrow it back down to that decision. It'll make it a little easier. It'll make it a little easier every time. You'll be like, okay, I got this. It'll make it easier to make the right decision. But if you just go off half-cocked and do none of these things that God is telling you, you're going to make the wrong decision every time. Because, see, we understand that hard decisions are going to come up. They are. But God has opened you up today to His promises. His promises. You can build yourself on that. Hold on to that. God, What God has for you is better than you ever had. Anything you ever had planned out for your life. It's better. All of His plans. It's better than everything that the enemy is trying to tempt you into. God's plan is better. It's a good life. It's an abundant life. It's when I mean, it's that everlasting life. That everlasting life that's going to even keep me once I'm gone off the planet. That's our hope. And then your children get blessed by your life. Your grandchildren get blessed by your life. Your great-grandchildren get blessed by your life. And even if you don't get to see your great-grandchildren or your great-great-grandchildren over here, I believe in my heart just by spending time with God that He allow you to look over the balconies of heaven and see them being blessed by your life. And God said, because you lived a life, look at what's going on. Just look. You ain't going back there, but just you could just see it. I have that hope. And he's given that to you by his spirit. And it narrow it back down to your decision making process. Then all of a sudden you'll have clarity that your life is set. Blessings. Life and blessings. They're mine. I reject death and cursings. Now I can see how to choose. And that's how I'm going to choose. That me and my seed can live. And have an abundant life. A good life. An eternal life. And God is saying, it's up to you in the way you're thinking. A pattern of thought that will set up your life forever. You need to take that. Take God's word. This is sound doctrine you get. 
This this is sound doctrine. Oh, you might not. Now, to me, it is running around. This is a running around word. He's done a great job for us. Jesus coming was not a light thing. Who, I mean, who would want to be separated from God? Even for the, just that time. Three days and three days. I don't want to be separated from Him. God is faithful. He's faithful to your life. He's faithful to who you are. He loves you and He wants you to win at this. Young people, you need to learn to win at this. You need to grab this truth and don't let it go. You understand. This is not hard to understand. This is simplicity. And you need to own it. Make it yours. Make those thoughts of prayer. Bring that thinking into line with the girl. Say, line up. Bend it and make it true. Bend it until it becomes true. Bend it. And I don't care how young you are, how old you are, you're never going to fit in and do the will of God. You might fit in with people, but just know, if you're fitting in, you're not, you're not doing the will of God, and you won't be until you, you cannot fit in. You will not fit in. Be okay with that. You can't act like them, talk like them, look like them, hang with them, and then spring it on them. No. You spring it on them from the beginning. And you'll find out you don't even have to run from them. They'll run from you. They'll run from you. If they run into you, you're probably fitting in. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.